You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, November 10th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our Sunday morning in-season podcast. We will be joined by the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Curlick, and the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale, in just a minute here. First, if you are a current premium member, you have access to CBS All Access through your premium membership. If you have not turned that on already, Go to the home page, click on settings on the right-hand corner of the page under your name and follow the directions. That's a $100 value for you, and you've already paid for it, so get it. Secondly, if you are not a premium member, this is a good time to sign up. You pay $1, you get the first two months for free. How about that? Two great aspects of being a premium member that you need to take advantage of right away. Okay, people, Ohio State defeats Maryland 73-14 to at the shoe. There was other stuff discussed. We'll get to the Chase Young rigmarole later on with backs. First of all, we are going to welcome in the man of the hour, the dean of Ohio State recruiting, Bill Curlick, checks in from the lovely American city of Pittsburgh. Bill, how goes it? Going well this morning, Dan. Just a quick jaunt over to Pittsburgh. Be back in Columbus uh a little bit later this afternoon, and um, we're ready for another week covering Ohio State recruiting. Should be, uh, even though it's an away game, it'll be an interesting week as always, but uh, certainly some things going on this weekend as well. Bill, your thoughts on Ohio State's depancing of Maryland at the shoe? Pretty much, I think, what everybody expected. I I, I don't think there was anything uh, shocking. Uh, uh Chase Young being out nonetheless, you know, they did not miss a beat, and uh, the beat goes on, and um, that's a good thing for the Buckeyes, certainly. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. You know, there's all, already talk about will LSU now replace the highest state at the top um, for the college football poll? I don't think so. I mean, high state did just hang 73 on Maryland without playing starters in the second half, so. I, I think Ohio State continues at number one, but we'll see. I guess it doesn't matter. As long as the Buckeyes keep winning, they're going to be in the college playoff. Given the opponent often dictates the level of recruit and the number of recruits that he visit, this was not a huge visit weekend. The red carpet is in the process of being rolled out for one certain Georgia native. Please give us the details. Yeah, as I posted on the uh, front row message board yesterday, someone asked, uh, did Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Dalton, Georgia, make it to Ohio State yesterday? And he indeed did make it to Ohio State yesterday. He's visiting the Buckeyes this weekend. Uh, he's one of uh, um, a handful of running backs that Ohio State has offered a scholarship to for the class of 2020. And he's still committed to Georgia Tech, but somebody that Ohio State um, is very interested in flipping. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to go to how much they can convince uh, Gibbs that you know, leaving the South, leaving home will be a good thing for him. Um, you know, he's 
He's uh, very content with his commitment to Georgia Tech, but the fact that he's visiting Ohio State shows that he is listening. He's open to the possibility of a flip. I don't think it's going to be easy, but uh, he's here, and that shows that he is interested, and we'll see how it goes when he finishes everything up and, and heads home to Georgia. It certainly doesn't hurt that the third running back outrushed Maryland in terms of uh, putting on a show. Bill Rucker's week coming up here. Ohio State going on the road to Piscataway. What does that mean for the coaches during this week when it comes to recruiting? Uh, it means they'll have time to work on Penn State. No. <laughs> I just only slightly, I guess. But uh, now they uh, obviously the away game. You know they don't have to worry about lining up recruits, but uh, they are still in the process of lining up recruits for a certain week after that, of course, that being the Penn State game. And, um, you know, they're going to be working on this week, calling recruits, of course, uh, talking to them, um, and, and getting what's already a star-studded list of prospects um, for that Penn State game uh, all lined up for visits that weekend. So it'll be kind of uh, the usual away game week when it comes to recruiting, but maybe with a little bit more uh, a sense of hype and urgency because the week after that is the biggest recruiting weekend of the in-season for Ohio State, the Penn State game. Bill, defensive end at Ohio State obviously is a large topic of conversation right now. We saw two youngsters, Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison, get the start this weekend. I could make an argument right now that they will also be number one draft picks after Chase Young. I can make a very serious argument that there's a number one draft pick working for Ohio State in the suburbs. Unfortunately, Jack Sawyer, arguably the best college football player in the junior class in the United States, hurt his knee. Give us the latest. You were there. Fill us in. Uh, yeah, I was there. Uh, they, uh, Pickering and North traveled to Old Tangy Orange on Friday night. And interesting, uh, uh, Old Tangy Orange um, and Pickerington North squared off at Orange earlier this season. Um, it was obviously a regular season game, the third weekend of the season. Pickering North entered that game at 0-2, and, um, and that is the game that uh, Jack Sawyer moved to quarterback for Pickering North, and, and he led them to a 38-17 to win over Orange that night. Um, and then he proceeded to play quarterback the rest of the season. Unfortunately, that season ended for, for Jack on Friday night. Uh, not only did Orange turn the tables, almost turned them exactly, almost the exact same score in reverse, Orange won 36-17. to Not only did they turn the table, but Jack Sawyer was injured. Uh, uh, Orange was playing well. They had a 9 to nothing lead, and Sawyer got north going. He drove them downfield. They had first down at the Orange 11-yard line. Um, it was a quarterback running play up the middle, and he went down at the one-yard line, and he didn't get up. And finally, he did get up, um, was helped off the field. Um, at halftime then, this was late in the second, this was late in the second quarter. Uh, at halftime then, he had an ice bag on the inside of his knee. Uh, he came out in the second half, um, and had his knee wrapped. Uh, they changed the wrapping then. They took that off and put on a, large knee brace and obviously he did not return to action after the game though 
it was interesting. He, he had some optimism that he would be ready for basketball season, and talking to people on the north sideline, they felt there was a chance that he could avoid surgery. But unfortunately, that's not the case. He found out on Saturday that he does have an MCL injury and that he obviously uh, is, is out. He's going to have surgery this week. Um, the good thing is is that uh, an MCL injury is not as bad as an ACL injury, and everything else in his knee is fine. He just needs to have that MCL repaired. So he is hoping that he can get back and play towards the end of the Pickerington North basketball season. And as you well know, Dan, uh, he's one of the top basketball players in the state of Ohio as well. You can make a very strong argument he was the most productive sophomore in Ohio on the basketball court last season. So while that's a loss for that school, I doubt it affects Ohio State in the long term. My guess is we'll see Jack Sawyer back on the field for a senior season that will be one of legends. Something else interesting about that, Dan, is that uh, Jack had told me, you know, he's going to be an early graduate. And he, uh, I had asked him about, are you going to play basketball your senior year? Because obviously you wouldn't be able to play the whole season. And he had told me that um, he hadn't made up his mind yet, that he was, you know, contemplating. He would, as he put it, I'd like to play Pickerington Central one last time in basketball as a senior before I head off to Ohio State. So it'll be interesting now, you know, to see what he does as a senior. Does he go ahead and try to play the first part of his basketball season for Pickerington North, or does he uh, just get ready after the end of football season to head off to Ohio State? I guess missing this season could affect his decision next season, but my guess is we will see Jack Sawyer on campus about six months early. We appreciate the dean stopping by and contributing some of his Sunday morning while he's on the road visiting grandchildren. Dean, thank you, sir. Have a good day, Dan. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with Matt Baxendale, the People's Champ. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And we are back, joined by Matt Baxendale, the people's champ, fresh off the ice, Bax, W? L, we put my kid in net this week. It wasn't the best decision. He's a much better skater than a goalie. <laughs> At least you won't be yelling at someone else's kid this morning. It's much better than usual. Speaking of much better than usual, I don't know what to say about Maryland football. That was horrible. Ohio State dominated 73-14. to Obviously, there's some bigger issues at play, but before we get going on that, your thoughts on Ohio State's domination of Maryland at the shoe? You know, I remember a conversation we had back in August where we talked about Mike Loxley being the new hire at Maryland, and both of us went, this doesn't seem like the kind of hire that's going to go very well, considering he had five career wins against like 30 career losses when they hired him as a head coach, and that's playing out the way about that I expected it. Uh, Maryland stinks. They're terrible. 73 to, to 14 is about as much of a bludgeoning as you can hope, though Maryland does have the honor of saying they've scored the most points against Ohio State of any Big Ten team so far this year. Sure, they only had 140 total yards of offense, but, you know, good for Maryland. They can hold up that little, uh, I guess, 
achievement to score 14 against the third string. I'm not really sure. So, but the truth is, is this game was a beating. It was over at halftime. It seemed like Ohio State was really out to get them. You know, that onside kick, which was maybe the most beautiful special teams play I've ever seen, uh, it was so mean. Like, like <laughs> there, there was, like, just, like, like, there was no need for it. You knew the game was going to end up roughly this anyways. So it, either they were just practicing it to, quote, get it on film, which is a really nice excuse, or they were just really out to get Maryland yesterday. And then on top of that, they were calling timeouts right before the half up 42. So, you know, th- these are two teams that didn't even compare. Ohio State's second string would have beaten Maryland, and we saw that in the second half, you know. So I'm glad that game's over with. Hopefully everybody's healthy. And uh, let's move on from there. And who do we got next week? Oh, wait, Rutgers. That might be another 80-point output for Ohio State. Yeah, I predicted the halftime score would be 42 to nothing because I predicted Ohio State would have three possessions in each of the first two quarters and get a touchdown on each. That was a scrimmage. By the way, not a good scrimmage. Ohio State could scrimmage against the second team, like you mentioned, and have a much more formidable foe out there. Okay, let's get to the nut here. Chase Young, we all woke up to the horror of the idea of losing the best football player, arguably, but definitely the best defensive end in the country for the second straight season abruptly. Last year, Nick Bosa, injury. This year, Chase Young, Tom Foolery, and hijinks. Your thoughts on the situation and how it's going to end up. I guess the general vibe right now is the four-game suspension that everyone thinks is going to happen will be reduced to two, but no one knows for sure. Your thoughts on Young Gate? Well, if they get suspended for the Maryland and Rutgers games and then he's back for Penn State, then I'm almost, like, happy about it because there was no reason to risk Chase Young getting his, like, ankle turned against one of these bum teams. Uh, now, it, it, it's a situation where... If the truth is what we are hearing, and currently the truth as far as we are aware is, is that Chase Young took a loan to pay for his girlfriend to come out to the Rose Bowl and then paid it back in April. Uh, how the hell is that an NCAA violation anyways? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of since getting free tattoos for your own stuff. But this being Ohio State, my faith in them to actually execute any sort of NCAA incident uh, properly is very low. Uh, I generally assume whatever the worst outcome is, Ohio State's going to somehow bumble their way into it. So I'm sure this will be a four-year bull ban or indoor death penalty. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is this is literally the stupidest thing ever. In fact, if it's a cash loan that uh, that Chase Young got here, would this have ever even gotten out in the SEC? Like they would have said he paid it back, cool, whatever. That's it. At Ohio State, we're holding our guy out of of games for literally next to nothing. So. All this reporting by Kirk Herbstreet saying that he thinks it's going to be four games, that's like a worst-case scenario in my mind. Um, A, he's going to be back this season for any sort of championship game and or playoffs. Uh, B, I fully expect him to be back, potentially even for Rutgers, but probably Ohio State won't risk it even if he is eligible before then. There's no reason to play him against Rutgers. They could score 100 against Rutgers. So I, I believe Chase Young will be back for the Penn State game. I think this is maybe the stupidest NCAA violation I've ever heard of in my life. And I, I, I genuinely want to know, why did this even become a thing? Like, you could tell the OSU people thought that this came from Maryland, by the way. Because that was the other thing we had Friday morning. And I put this in the bucket. We all wondered, where did this come from? How, why is it coming out now from last year, right? Isn't it weird that if they were out to get us, they wouldn't do it like the week of Penn State or the week of, of Michigan? Well, Ohio State clearly thinks it's Maryland. I don't care what Ryan Day says. I mean, he, he's, he's a smile-to-your-face, stone-cold killer, right? Um, but the truth is, after the game, if you watch the video where Keandre Jones, the former Buckeye, 
who's now a Maryland Terp, who came to Ohio State at roughly the same time as Dwayne Haskins and 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 Chase Young, and they're all Maryland natives, right? He comes into all the guys are happy to see him. They're mobbing him. They're telling him, they're, hey, he's excited to see him. And he asked them, why did you do, have to do us like that, you know, like running up the score? And one of the Buckeye players said, because you guys are snitches to him. They said it to his face. It's on audio and video. Clearly Ohio State thinks that this came from Maryland this week, which would explain the timing. So, you know, in the end, if, if this was a Maryland attempt to somehow set Ohio State off their game, it clearly backfired, and hopefully Chase Young is back in time for the games that matter, and I genuinely think he will be because this is stupid on all levels that this is even a violation. Two years down the road, Chase Young would pay for his girlfriend to go to the Rose Bowl from his Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet commercials or, you know, whatever other likeness thing that he gets paid for. So in a climate where nobody thinks the NCAA is worth a damn, do you think that there's going to be any appetite to suspend a player as good as Chase Young? I don't think so. Just to add a little flavor to that, Keandre Jones attended Good Counsel High School. Good Counsel's number one rival, even though DeMatha doesn't feel that way, is DeMatha. It's just a joke. I mean, the whole thing's a joke. It's just further evidence that the NCAA is a cabal and a joke. So there's nothing really even to say about it. I hope it's two games. If so, no worse for the wear. We'll be all over that, Bucknutters. Keep it locked in. Let's get on to the other games, ones that actually had some competitive spirit after the kickoff. Penn State went to Minnesota. I thought Penn State would crush Minnesota. I watched the game, and here are my views. One, Penn State just isn't that good. There is no way Sean Clifford was going to beat Ohio State. Secondly, Minnesota beat them. Minnesota is a slow football team. Those skill players are not going to make plays against Ohio State. In my lifetime, I can't remember a bigger win for Minnesota. But neither team is a threat to Ohio State. If anything, I feel better about the Buckeyes after this. Your thoughts? Well, this is your classic Penn State loss. What have we been saying all year we don't trust about Penn State? We don't trust, one, Sean Clifford in a big game. Two, James Franklin in a big moment. Yeah, I think the defense for Penn State was very, is, is still a very talented group. But look what happened this game yesterday. Minnesota got a bunch of momentum in the first half off of multiple Sean Clifford interceptions. And then James Franklin decided to go for two at one point where there was still more than a quarter left in the game. He got nervous, and he decided to try to make it up all at once. And that resulted that last drive of theirs. They were down by five instead of three, and they were in field goal range. So that last interception by Clifford might not have been necessary, but they were just trying to get a field goal to tie. It's more of the classic James Franklin being a really good coach that can't get over the hump in game management situations. and. I agree with you. Minnesota's not anything spectacular. Minnesota's a perfectly decent football team. Good for them. They're probably going to win the Big Ten West, so it'll be a nice win looking for OSU whenever they play them in the championship game. Uh, and I say when because that Penn State team has no prayer of beating Ohio State with Sean Clifford as a quarterback. And by the way, they have no running game. So their only offensive threat is K.J. Hamler, who is admittedly terrifying. But on the flip side, if the quarterback can't get him the ball, what are you worried about? This is going to be the kind of game where – even if Penn State's defense plays out of their mind, Penn State's going to be lucky to score 10 points. So, uh, you know, I think it's a great win for Minnesota. You're not incorrect that it's the biggest win in your lifetime. Uh, Minnesota has not won a Big Ten championship since 1967, and they split that one three ways. So you're looking at, what is that, 52 years since Minnesota won any share of a Big Ten championship? So, uh, you know, that's clearly the biggest win in the program ever. They're going to have to double P.J. Flex salary around this time next year to even have a prayer of keeping him. Um, end of the day, though, 
Penn State got a little bit exposed here. I thought Penn State was better than that. I thought Penn State was going to go in and win that game by two touchdowns. And the fact that they didn't is an indictment to all the things that we thought about Penn State negative turned out to be very, very, very problematic in the big scheme of things. And the truth is, if you can't trust a head coach in a big moment and you can't trust a quarterback in a big game, you're not going to win big games, period. And that's what Penn State proved yesterday. Penn State was just legitimately exposed, and I guess it's to be expected. Trace McSorley was an excellent player, a pro. Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs on earth. Miles Sanders is getting major snaps for the Eagles. This is not as talented. That was much ado about nothing, and you've already mentioned the man who operates in my nightmares, which is K.J. Hamler. I just have to believe we could lock him up, and no one guy's going to beat the Buckeyes, so there's that. Now, here's this. Just before the season, you placed a bet on Illinois to beat Wisconsin and Michigan State. Two things. You're rich. Secondly, you're clairvoyant. Please explain to me how this happened, and is this the end of Mark D'Antonio? Those of you who don't know, uh, Illinois staged a massive comeback to beat Michigan State with 27 points in the fourth quarter that included an interception return of epic proportions. Your thoughts on the demise of the Spartans? Well, it's so nice to have Sparty know back in my life. I mean, you know, there was one consistent point in my life about 15 years ago where you could count on Michigan State once to two to three times a year to have a game where they would massively blow a lead. And everybody would just there and go, oh, Sparty, no, not again. Well, that was Sparty, no. It was 28-3 to right before half yesterday against an Illinois team that was getting run off the field. And the end result was Illinois wins the game 37-34 to and is now bowl eligible. I I would never have seen Illinois being bowl eligible coming. Um, There's a number of factors in play here. One, Brandon Peters has been better at quarterback than we expected. Um, I think if you're a Michigan fan watching Shea Patterson bumble around out on the field, you have to wonder if Peters didn't get enough of a fair shake up there uh, because he's been pretty darn good this year for the Illini. Second, Illinois actually lost earlier this year to Eastern Michigan, or they would be 7-3. and Think about that. That's insanity. So that part's pretty crazy on its own. Furthermore, this Illinois team, since that Wisconsin upset, they have turned from a team that looked like they were, you know, bottom-tier team, that, you know, a step above Rutgers, kind of a Maryland-level team, and they've, they've, they've turned into a four-game winning streak here. They look like they could be go, going bowling. They could win eight games this year. I mean, they got Northwestern left on their schedule. Let's not forget that. So good on Lovey. I mean, you know, if, if, if Illinois could ever figure out how to get some recruits from the Chicagoland area, on their team, they can end up being a really decent program. So good for them. Flip side of this is, I don't know how Mark D'Antonio keeps his job after this. He utterly refused to change his coaching staff after this year. You know, he kind of moved the deck chairs around on the Titanic offensively. And let's face it, at this point, what is Michigan State? They're a bad football team that doesn't play great defense anymore, has no offensive identity, doesn't have a ton of talent. And at the end of the day, this reminds me a lot of the end of the Lloyd Carr era up in Michigan, where there's a lot of really good years, and then down the stretch he got stubborn, and his team started falling off. And now Lloyd never fell off this hard, but, you know, there was a chosen successor that he wanted to take over that everybody else is like, really, that guy? At the time it was Mike DeBoard who uh, Lloyd Carr wanted to succeed him, right? Now it's Mike Tressel who D'Antonio seems to want as his next guy. And I can tell you right now, there's no way in hell Michigan State's going to give that job to Mike Tressel. If there's anybody in the Trestle coaching tree who's going to get that job, this guy's name is Luke Fickle. And by the way, wasn't that a conversation we had this uh, this summer in August? I pretty vividly remember having that conversation too. 
So <laughs> I think this is the end of the line for D'Antonio. If he doesn't make a bowl game, you're going to be looking at a new head coach at Michigan State next year. And candidly, D'Antonio set the all-time win records at Michigan State. He's the best coach they've ever had. He has nothing left to prove. I think it's time that Dino sets it aside and that Michigan State refreshes its program. And, by the way, all this is off the table if they somehow beat Michigan next week, but I don't think anybody thinks that's a possibility at this point, even as bad as Michigan's been. Keep in mind, Luke Fickle and uh, the Bearcats have not lost since coming to uh, Columbus. I think that has kind of lessened the shine on what's been a great season for them. The only question I have is if the Michigan State family thinks Fickle is even too close to the D'Antonio tree and they'd like to go somewhere, you know, off tree, as it were. But we will see. I do think that's going to happen. And we did discuss it before the season, so those who have been tuned in have gotten a tad of our clairvoyance as well. Let's get to what was the biggest game nationally, Louisiana State versus Alabama. Joe Burrow did nothing to dissuade his Heisman campaign. It is now, especially with Chase being sidelined, it is now Joe's title to lose or trophy to lose. He was spectacular. His first half against Alabama is the stuff that, I mean, you can't play any better than he is playing. Uh, The game was not close. I guess Alabama made a run in it at the end. But it does feel like LSU and Ohio State and maybe Clemson have separated themselves from the pack. Your thoughts on LSU-Bama, and then why don't you just lead that right into your top four after the weekend? So LSU-Alabama, and i got to give credit to our old friend Ben Koo here. That game reminded me of the 2006 Ohio State-Michigan game. Benny pointed that out on Twitter last night, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's a great comparison. LSU beat the crap out of Bama. That was not a five-point game. That was a 20-point game. Just there was a couple long touchdowns or punt returns or whatever random plays that let Alabama make the score look respectable. Anybody who watches that football game knows that LSU was the better team, and it really wasn't comparable. Uh, I think Joe Burrow, assuming LSU wins the SEC, Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Uh, the Ohio State players are going to split their vote. Jalen Hurts is quietly putting up points at Oklahoma, but you know Oklahoma nearly lost Iowa State last night. They're just I don't know if they're going to have the platform to have anybody else get in there. So to me, it seems like this is this is Burrow's Heisman to win. And I want to say this too. Burrow wins the Heisman. It's like a Buckeye winning it, guys. Let's be real honest here. Ohio State's the center of college football with all the guys that we have at this point. Joe Burrow was asked after the game by one of those blithering SEC TV reporters. He goes, is this what you came to the SEC for? And Joe's response was, well, I expected to be on this stage, just not in this jersey. And I'm like, yep. That's him essentially saying, I expected to beat Alabama. I just expected it to be in scarlet and gray. So, you know, you got to love him for that. But truth is, Alabama's done, folks. There's very few scenarios where I can imagine Alabama trying to even argue to be in a playoff spot at this point. Because with the way that the the national picture is shaking out, there's not going to be anybody who doesn't win a conference that gets in, in my humble opinion. Um, I think LSU is clearly going to be number one in the next week's rankings. Not that I think they're better than Ohio State. Oh, to the contrary, I think Ohio State would beat LSU. LSU's running game was okay, not great yesterday. Um, their, their running back put up some yards in tough times, but that was good for him. Uh, their defense is nowhere near what it used to be. So Alabama and LSU are similar teams. They're powered by an NFL-level quarterback, a trio of really strong receivers. Their running games are hit or miss. Um, you can see it yesterday. Each of them had times where they struggled, and each of them had drives where their running backs made a big difference. And their defenses are unequivocally, without question, nowhere near what they typically are at either school. So while I believe LSU is going to be number one in the upcoming rankings, I still think Ohio State is by far the best team in the country. Um, So here's what I think is going to end up happening. You're going to have LSU at one this week. You're going to have OSU at two. 
Clemson at three. That's pretty much a given. The four is going to be interesting because you can make an argument that Georgia could be the number four team because of where they're at. But on the flip side, Georgia's loss only looks worse after South Carolina keeps losing. And Oregon is idle, so can you swap swap them up? I don't think so. And while I think you're going to see increased respect for Minnesota, I don't think they're going to move the Gophers into the top four. That's for darn sure. So that four spot's probably going to go to Georgia. And then after that, I think it's going to be Oregon, Oklahoma, Utah in some order. And then you're going to see Alabama come into the equation, Minnesota and Penn State at the end of the top ten. But let's let, let, let's game this out for a second. You, you know, let's think about this. Right now, let's assume that Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten and get in because that's what it looks like is going to happen. It'd be a big upset if Ohio State didn't win the Big Ten and make the playoffs. LSU is virtually certain to be the team in unless Georgia upsets them. Then things get interesting. That's the one way you could argue that a one-loss non-champion gets in is that if Georgia wins the SEC and doesn't doesn't lose the rest of the way, then maybe LSU's the four seed and Georgia's the two seed or something. Uh, there's nobody on Clemson's schedule that's going to beat them, period. Right? I mean, let's face it. They, they, they play a bunch of bum teams. That's just that's that's all that's in the ACC this year. So unless South Carolina can pull off a historic upset for the second time this season, it's just not going to happen. And then you have to look at the Pac-12. Right now, Oregon and Utah are both looking like they're going to be one-loss teams going into the championship game against each other. And with Oklahoma giving up 40 points a game, it feels like right now, and essentially being last year's Ohio State team, I don't see how anybody's going to put the Sooners in. You're not going to have any faith in them to be able to play defense against the big boys. So I think the winner of Utah and Oregon is going to end up being the fourth team in the playoffs. Then, like I said, barring the surprise, like Georgia winning the SEC over LSU, you're going to look at probably Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and the winner of the Pac-12. And, by the way, if it gets to that scenario, I could easily see Ohio State vaulting back up to one because they'll have Penn State left, they'll have Michigan left, and they'll probably have a top-10 Gophers team because if you look at Minnesota's schedule, they have Iowa this week, right? And Iowa just lost to Wisconsin in a tight game. They got beat up, and and that's an interesting game because if they win that game, after that, the only game that's left for Minnesota is going to be Northwestern, who's a win for them. And then when they play Wisconsin at the end of the year, the schedule, the, the division probably is going to be wrapped up. So at that point, you may see Wisconsin or Minnesota come to the Big Ten Championship at 11-1, and that's going to be another good win for OSU. So you may see OSU at one against Oregon or Utah, and then you'd have LSU and Clemson to fight it out in the other game, and that would be perfect for Ohio State. Iowa's going to beat Minnesota. You know that. Come on, man. I don't see it. I got Minnesota's still improve it to me, Mode. If they do it this weekend after the emotional coach surfing in the locker room, then then I'm on board. But until then, Iowa's that team that you just don't want to get punched in the face by. Yeah, but they beat Wisconsin the last year too, Dan. Remember? They lost to Minnesota last year. It, it seems to me like, you know how some teams it's their year, like Iowa going 12-0 and a couple of years ago, even though it didn't really feel like they played anyone, and they won all those kind of weird games? Minnesota has that vibe to me this year. I hear you, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. Georgia's loss to South Carolina is a lot worse than Alabama's loss to LSU. If you put a gun to your head right now, Alabama-Georgia on a neutral field, who would you take? Well, probably Bama because Georgia never beats them. So let me play this out for you. Alabama's going to wax Auburn. So you're going to have one loss Oregon champ against Alabama who waxed the one team they played. I think Alabama's going to be the fourth team. I'm serious. I think it's going to be LSU or Ohio State at the top, then Clemson and Alabama. Um, I just think those are the four best teams, and it'll work out that way. We will see. We will keep on top of that. There's the Chase Young fiasco going on. It's been a very, very interesting weekend. 
So there was no drama on the field for the Buckeyes. We seriously appreciate the people champ making some time on what's been a busy Sunday morning for him. Make sure to get over and check out the bucket. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.